Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, man. No, man, no. You know who that is? That's Elvis Presley, man. Elvis Presley. Can you please? You're crazy. What the hell he be doing in here? Buying donuts. That's what he be doing in here. Can I help you? Yeah, how you doing, Chief? Um, give me a couple of them sweary ones. Yeah, those ones, yeah. Oh, and the chocolate with the custard. And maybe one of them ones down there with little sprinkles on top. And three of them glazed ones. But hey, make sure you give me the fresh ones now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Kerry Lester, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Roberts with a reminder that we will welcome Emmy-nominated actress Naomi Matsuda of The Bold and The Beautiful in our second hour. Plus, we'll welcome DeJure Jones, one of the stars of the new Paramount Plus series, Players. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, here with us in the studio right now is Chuck Harder. Chuck helped produce the three-part mini-documentary I, Elvis that originally aired on hard copy back in 1992. And as a result of that project, Chuck got to know many members of the Memphis Mafia, including Charlie Hodge, Sonny West, Lamar Fike, Billy Smith, and Jerry Schilling. Chuck is here sharing some firsthand knowledge of Elvis that he learned from his conversations with the Memphis Mafia. We're also taking a look at some of our favorite Elvis performances, Elvis songs, and the various portrayals of Elvis Presley in movies and on television. For our listeners in Southern California, you can see Chuck Harder perform at Sideshow Bookstore, 1639 La Cienica Boulevard, in Los Angeles, Saturday, July 23rd, beginning at 8 p.m. You can follow Chuck on Facebook. Chuck has several short performance videos, many of which are done in live, in, on location in live establishments. Uh, uh, you can enjoy Chuck's uh, music performance videos for free on the Bad Restriction channel on YouTube. We're talking about um, the legacy of Elvis, and we're talking about, and to some degree, what could have been had had he not been confined the way he was by his management at, at the time. Could we tell the Led Zeppelin story? Yes. This is a good one. In 1974, Led Zeppelin had been out five years and probably were the biggest hard rock band in America. And Jimmy Page and Robert Plant uh, the singer and guitar player were huge Elvis fans, and Zeppelin would often, at their sound checks, do old Elvis songs. Robert Plant especially loved him. So Elvis is playing in Anaheim, and I guess Zeppelin were in town for one reason or another. And uh, 
somebody arranged for tickets for the Led Zeppelin gang to go see him. So it was Robert Plant, uh, Jimmy Page, the drummer John Bonham, Peter Grant, the big manager, and I think uh, a, a, a road manager. So they all had seats kind of up front, and it's funny, it's on a tape somewhere in the middle of the show, Elvis and the band start a number and they sort of fumble. And he says, wait a minute, man, wait a minute, man, we, we, we got to do this right. You know, I, I just want you to know that, hey, we got Led Zeppelin in the audience, man. You know, we, we got to do things right. All right, let's do it. <laughs> and the guys in Zeppelin, except John Bonham, who'd fallen asleep, but that's neither here nor there, were just like, oh, Elvis, Elvis, he mentioned us. Oh, my God. So they're all excited. So after the show, somebody comes to them and says, would you like to come to Elvis's hotel and meet him? Well, of course they do. So they all went up. And on the way up, they were told, uh, uh, you can't talk about music. Weird. But they were told. So they get in, and Elvis starts talking to them. And he doesn't really know them, but he's heard Stairway to Heaven, and he likes it. And his two... Uh, young brothers-in-law are really excited about Led Zeppelin, so this, this must mean something. So they all come in, and they start talking, and Elvis says, you know, man, uh, I like that, uh, that Stairway to Heaven song, man. That's a good one. And they're, they're going, like, we're not supposed to talk about music. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And he and the drummer end up talking about cars or something. But for those of you that remember, what did Robert Plant look like in 1974? He had hair, huge blonde hair he wore little uh vest blouses with a bare chest and jimmy page is in tight satin outfits with super long hair and elvis is looking at him and he's not quite sure and he said hey hey man uh hey robert plant are you, are you family men meaning <clears throat> oh yeah yeah and he showed him a picture of his uh daughter oh okay okay all right you guys are all right you guys are all right <laughs> So they stayed for a while, and Plant always tells this story, and Plant's a good old boy, he's still going. And he said when they left, he was the last one out of the room, and uh, Elvis is at the doorway, and Plant turns around and says, Treat me like a fool. And Elvis goes, Treat me mean and cruel. And both of them, Bud, love me. And they start laughing and say goodbye. So it was nice. Elvis had a chance to meet the other side, if you will, and again, it's unfortunate, Zeppelin offered to back him on a recording session for free. Parker said, no, we don't need those limey musicians. I'm just shaking my head because, you know, uh, the opportunity to cross-promote, you know, cross-genre, and Led Zeppelin obviously had their own audience, but uh, to the extent... You know, some of them may not have listened to Elvis. He probably would have picked up a lot, a lot of fans. So it's just you shake your head at the short-sightedness. Yeah, and but you can't go back and change you things, cannot. No, and you it's can't. unfortunate. The other meeting, which I'll mention in brief, is when Elvis met the Beatles in 1965. Now, um, the Beatles loved Elvis. He was a major influence on them. And in 1965, they're on their second American tour. Hit after hit, Help, the Help movie had just come out. Elvis's latest movie, I think it's Tickle Me, which isn't particularly a good one. So Elvis says, all right, I'll meet him, man, but they got to come see me. So they go to his, I think he had a house in Bel Air or something, mm -hmm. and uh, supposedly it was a secret. And when the limo pulled up with the Beatles, 
and Brian Epstein, their manager, and I think a British reporter and a roadie, uh, there were hundreds of kids screaming, Elvis Beatles, Elvis Beatles, Elvis Beatles. And on the drive over, and this is no secret, they've admitted it, the Beatles were smoking some funny cigarettes. <laughs> and by the time they got there, they were so stoned when they tumbled out of the limo, they're going, where are we? I don't know. Where are we going to go? I, oh, Elvis. Yeah, that's right. So they come inside, and they see him. And, of course, he's tall and handsome, and they're completely wasted. So they sit on the couch, Lennon and McCartney on one side, Harrison and Starr on the others, and they just stare at him because it's Elvis. And he starts to get uncomfortable, and he says, Hey, man, if uh, you guys are just going to stare at me, man, I'm going to bed. I, I thought we could jam a little. Jam! <laughs> so the guitars come out, and they're playing and everything. And Elvis is trying to learn bass, so McCartney said, Oh, you're coming along quite fine, Elvis, quite fine. <laughs> so... All, it, it was a bit forced, but not too bad. And the funny thing was, Elvis was getting drinks for the Beatles, and he never did that. The Memphis Mafia are like, what is, it, what is he doing? And he's making the drinks really strong. So the Beatles are not only smoked, but now they're getting really drunk. Yeah. And, and it's forced, but kind of okay. And finally it's time to go and... Uh, Colonel Parker gives each Beatle a box of Elvis albums and a little lamp that has, like, a wagon on it. Probably throw it out of the car on the way back. And although Lennon was a sarcastic guy later talking about it, he said, uh, I wanted to see the Elvis from Jailhouse Rock, and it was Robert Wagner. <laughs> Because, because he was a handsome movie star, cleaned up, right? But he said, no, it was, it was the greatest thing ever, man. It was so great seeing him. So it was funny, two different worlds. And the only thing Elvis really said about it was he was talking to, I think, Jerry Schilling, who I mentioned earlier. And he said, well, they're, they're, good, they're good boys, but what's with their teeth? <laughs> because Elvis went to the dentist once a month. Because, you know, he's a movie star, and the Beatles, being British, had kind of stainy teeth. And he couldn't understand why their teeth wasn't in better shape. But uh, this segues into a night when I was sitting with Charlie Hodge, completely hammered at four in the morning in some motel in Nashville. And I said, Charlie, come on, come on, tell me the truth. What did Elvis really think of the Beatles? And he said, well, he thought initially they were really good for the music industry, and they were. He liked them as songwriters, Lennon and McCartney. He liked them as songwriters. But to him, they sounded like the Everly Brothers meet Chuck Berry, and they kind of did early on. Mm -hmm. But he, he liked them. Uh, he wasn't wild about the haircuts, but it's okay. And he said that he liked them for the most part up until Sgt. Pepper, and after that he thought they'd lost it because up until then they wrote songs that then they recorded the song. Then, later, they made recordings that turned into songs. Different thing. And Elvis is a very song-oriented guy because he didn't write music. And uh, so that's about it. But, no, it wasn't any great rivalry. I'm sure he felt a little bit threatened. But in 64 or 5, Elvis is still the highest-paid movie star in Hollywood with three pictures a year. And, again with money coming in being the big barometer of success, he's still making millions a year. The fact that he said to the Beatles, hey, man, I thought we were going to jam. 
that tells me that he liked them, he respected them enough as musicians that he wanted to play with them. I'm, I'm not an Elvis expert by any stretch of the imagination, but there are a couple of things I, do, I know about him is that one of the things he liked to do was strum the guitar, whether he was with you know uh, the Memphis Mafia or whoever he was entertaining at the time. And he loved to play touch football, often in whatever hotel suite he was staying in at the time. And so to me, the, the only other compliment he could have paid Robert Plant and or the Beatles is, you know, hey, man, let's, let's throw a football around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, that's true. Elvis Elvis played touch football somewhere near 20th Century Fox or Paramount. I don't remember where, but he would have musicians around uh, Hollywood like Dean Torrance of Jan and Dean or Johnny Rivers, and they would play touch football all the time. I wonder why they weren't mobbed so much. Maybe it was a bit isolated. I don't know where it was. But that's true. Elvis was very into football. Chuck Harder is with us as we pay tribute to Elvis Presley on the weekend of the opening of a highly anticipated Elvis biopic starring Austin Butler and Tom Hanks. Chuck Herter got to know many members of the Memphis Mafia in the early 1990s when he helped put together a highly acclaimed three-part documentary on Elvis called I, Elvis. Chuck will be back in August for part two of our tribute to Elvis. Chuck will share some more Stories that he learned from his conversations with the Memphis Mafia, including Elvis's Three Keys to a Happy Life. Chuck will also perform two Elvis songs that week, including a song for the heart, an Elvis tune that Chuck heard playing on the jukebox in Washington, D.C. on August 16, 1977, the day that Elvis died. We'll continue our tribute to Elvis Presley in August on TV Confidential, likely the week before August 16th, the 45th anniversary of Elvis's death. The new Elvis biopic opens wide Friday, June 24th. If you are in Los Angeles, you can see Chuck Carter perform an evening of music at the Sideshow Bookstore, 1639 La Cienica Boulevard in Los Angeles. That will be Saturday, July 23rd, beginning at 8 p.m. sideshowbookstore.com. Emmy-nominated actress Naomi Matsuda from The Bold and the Beautiful will join us. We come back, plus we'll welcome DeJour Jones, one of the stars in the new Paramount Plus series, Players. All that more. We come back for hour number two of TV Confidential. Stay with us. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.